Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 2 Thessalonians. We've gone through the book of 1 Thessalonians. Now we're in our third sermon, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're going to read verses 6 through 12 and get through the chapter this evening. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Verse 6 says, In his justice, he will pay back those who persecute you. And God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted and also for us when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven. He will come with his mighty angels and flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with eternal destruction forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. Verse 10, when he comes on that day, he will receive glory from his holy people, praise from all who believe. And this includes you, for you believed what we told you about him. And so keep on, and so we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life Worthy of his call. And may he give you the power to accomplish all the, the things your faith prompts you to do. Amen? Amen? Then the name of the Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live. And you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible because of the grace of our Lord and our God, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We ask you, Lord, open up our hearts to receive your word this evening. God, I pray that you'll give us ears that would hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. God, may we apply this passage to, to our, our life personally. And Lord, help us to put into practice the things we know. We honor you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you look back in verse 3, as Paul opens up the letter of 2 Thessalonians, he says, we cannot help but thank God for you because your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. You remember when we spoke on that first sermon of 2 Thessalonians, we talked about how this was an answer to Paul's prayer because in 1 Thessalonians, he had prayed that their faith would grow and their love for each other would grow. And now in his second letter, he's commending them because he, he is witnessing the church, their faith growing and their love one for the other is just flourishing and it's just a a powerful example how the Lord answers prayer. It's also a powerful example of how our faith and our walk with him is progressive and how we are to be growing in our faith. And then in verse, in verse 5, he says, God will use this persecution to show his justice and to make you worthy of his kingdom for which you are suffering. 
And what we remember about the Thessalonian church is when Paul and Silas and Timothy were on their missionary journey and uh, the church was birthed in the fire. It was birthed in affliction. And what I love about the New Living Translation is how it makes a, just a smooth uh, translation of this verse. It says, God will use this suffering. He'll use what you're walking through to advance his kingdom and to do his work in your life. Never underestimate what God can do through the circumstances that you face. Sometimes it looks like it's a dead end to us. Sometimes it looks like it's, uh, it's the end uh, in our eyes, but God will use what you're walking through to promote you. God can use what you're walking through, even a hardship, to refine you and to cause you to shine brighter with the love of his son, Jesus Christ. And now we pick up here in verse 7, and Paul talks about a rest. It says, God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted and also for us when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven. And he's going to come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who do not know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. They're going to be punished with eternal destruction forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. And when he comes on that day, he will receive glory from his holy people, praise from all who believe. And Paul says to the Thessalonians, and this includes you. In other words, you're going to make it. You're going to survive. You're going to be okay. You're going you're gonna to walk through this difficulty, and you're still going to have faith intact. And some of us need to hear that tonight. You're going to walk through this situation, and your faith is still going to be intact. How many received that this evening? Amen? So let's look at rest. For the Thessalonians, the promise of rest had to be a welcome message. Because remember, these believers were going through great trials. They were facing great opposition and persecution. So the message of rest had to be a welcome message. The truth is, there is a place of rest in the Lord, even when you're facing difficult situations. There is a present rest for those who are troubled. Even in the midst of the fire, there is peace. I mean, just a quick example, going back to the Old Testament story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their answer to Nebuchadnezzar, he said, said, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. We know our God is able to deliver us from this fiery furnace, but if he does not deliver us, we are still not going to bow down to your God. Nebuchadnezzar was enraged, and, and he was with fury, and he commanded that the, that the furnace be heated up like seven times hotter than normal, and he threw the Hebrew children in there, and when they went to check, they said, there's not only three, but there's four, and one looks like the Son of God. It's a beautiful picture of how God can even give rest in the midst of a fiery trial. 
God can give rest even in the midst of uncertainty. But also the text is applied to a rest that is to come. Not only a rest that is present, but a rest that is in the future. And how many know that when you're walking through a, a situation where you can't really see your way out, it's good to cast a long look. It's good to keep your eyes upon the future. It's good to keep your eyes upon what is to come, amen? And Paul says, listen, there's a rest for you and for us. Now, Paul refers to us, implying that he and the others with him, too, were experiencing persecution and suffering. This is a reminder to the Thessalonians that they were not, they were not alone in their affliction. Now, think about this. There is something about the thought that you're not the only one experiencing what you're experiencing that brings you a sense of comfort, does it not? You know, sometimes when we're walking through something and, and, and we, we feel like we're the only one that is going through it, we're the only one that's been down this journey, we feel lonely. But then when somebody opens up and shares their story and says, listen, a few years ago I was going through exactly what you're going through, and let me tell you, God was faithful in my life. Suddenly, it's like, oh, wow, I'm not the only one going through this. Wow, I'm normal. Well, you know what? If God, if God helped them, he will help me too. So there's something about the thought that we're not the only ones experiencing this that brings us comfort. And church, let me use this to encourage you to share your story with others. See, well, pastor, it's hard. It's hard for me to share my story. Ask God to give you courage to share your story because your neighbor may need to hear it. Your coworker may need to hear your story, God's faithfulness in your life. How in your pain and your, your heartache and, and, and everything, you still found the faithfulness of a God. Even in the midst of your not understanding, in the midst of your suffering and pain, yet your faith came shining through. Somebody needs to hear that. Don't be afraid to share your story with others. To let others in on our affliction, our hardship, our pain, because there is comfort for others in our painful experiences. Let me just show you some examples just here in, in the, the book of Thessalonians. Let's go back to the first book of Thessalonians. Go to chapter 1. Look at verse 6. Chapter 1, verse 6, listen to what Paul says. So you receive the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite the severe suffering it brought you. In this way, you imitated both us and our Lord. What Paul is saying, yes, you received it with joy, even though you were going through persecution, and, and you imitated just how we received it, because we've walked through some persecution. Paul says, basically says, listen, I got the stripes to prove it. I have the scars to show you. Imagine... Imagine what that, what courage that gave to them when they read that letter and said, wow, our spiritual father, 
The Apostle Paul, he knows what it's like to be persecuted. He is surviving. His faith is strong. I can do it too. I can be strong too. Go to chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians. Look at verse 2. He says, you know how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. So I, I bring these verses out because I'm showing you Paul shared his story. And it's important that you share your story because somebody else needs to hear it. Your story may be the very encouragement that somebody else needs to hear to keep believing, to keep trusting, to keep hoping, to keep their eyes on the prize. Do not be afraid to share your story. So Paul, by being transparent with them, was encouraging them. Paul, by being transparent with them, was, was comforting them. And guess what? He was also teaching them. Now look back at verse 6 and verse 7. Let's talk about the justice of the Lord for a moment. Let me read this out of the New King James. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest when, with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Our response to evil our response to injustice is not to fight injustice with injustice, but to give room for the Lord to work. Romans chapter 12, verse 19. It's a familiar verse. It actually quotes the Old Testament. In Romans 12, verse 19, Paul says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Wow, we need to hear that today, amen? Never take revenge. I don't know if, if we can say that we've never took revenge before. <laughs> I think if most of us were honest, we've done some things. That person cut me off, so you know what? I'm gonna cut them off. The other day I was going down the road. <laughs> I'm teasing, it's not confession time. Though I'm sure there's something there to confess. When you drive on I-4, let me tell you something. <laughs> You're either going to get closer to God or further away from God. <laughs> Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that. Notice the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back. Says the Lord. Let me take you to another scripture. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 30 and verse 34, verse 31. For we know the one who said, I will take revenge, I will pay them back. He also said, the Lord will judge his own people. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And church, understand, there is a law of reaping and sowing that is universal. Sometimes a person will reap what they sow in this life, but at other times it will be in eternity. And Paul is reminding the Thessalonians that Jesus is returning. 
And for the Thessalonians, they were not to concentrate on, uh, on recompensing and repaying the wrong that was committed to them, the injustice that was committed to them. They were to leave that into the hand of the Lord because the Lord was going to take care of justice. It takes faith and trust to know that God is gonna take care of you. When people do you wrong, not to respond to the wrong with wrong, but it takes faith and trust to respond to the wrong with blessing and good. Because listen, the Lord is just. He's going to repay those who do wrong, and you will reap what you sow. Yeah. But the moment that we begin to take revenge, the moment that we take matters in our own hand, then we're actually taking up the work of God that he never intended for you to do. He's intended for us to reflect the nature and the character of Christ. It's a tall order. It's a tough order at times, but it's needful. It is needful. The law of reaping and sowing. Sometimes a person will reap what they sow in this life, but for sure they will reap in eternity. Paul is reminding the Thessalonians that Christ is returning. His language is apocalyptic in nature. I mean, read it again and listen to it. He will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God, on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord. They'll be punished with the eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. Now notice, on those who do not know God and those who refuse to obey the good news. But in verse 10, Paul writes, when he comes on that day, he will receive glory from his holy people, praise from all who believe. And Thessalonians, this includes you, because you believed what we told you about him. He says, on that day, talking about the day of the Lord. In the Old Testament, it is the day in which Yahweh grants his people salvation and punishes his enemies with everlasting destruction. The New King James says, because our testimony among you was believed. Let me read this out of the message because I, I, I like it. But on that very same day when he comes, he will be exalted by his followers and celebrated by all who believe, all because you believe what we told you. So what is the reason given for the Thessalonians to join in the rejoicing of the coming of the day of the Lord? Because they believe the message preached to them. Because they believe Paul's testimony that they would share in this great day. And such a hope should strengthen any believer who might be buckling under the pressure of persecution by, by unbelievers. The glimpse into a future undoubtedly encouraged Paul's readers, and it should encourage believers in our trials today. That there's coming a day that every injustice that was ever committed against us, everything the enemy has caused harm and tried to destroy us, God is going is to, in his justice, take care of those things. And you will receive your eternal reward 
you'll rejoice in his appearing. The hope of eternity. Sometimes when you're walking through a dark trial, sometimes when you're walking through the darkness of a situation, what's going to get you through that dark hour is the hope of what is ahead of you. The hope that Jesus one day is going to make everything right. And you believe in the goodness of God. He'll take care of it. Amen? Next few minutes, I want to focus on Paul's prayer for these Thessalonians. Notice verse 11. So, so we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live, and you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible because of the grace of our Lord, our God, Jesus Christ. In these verses, the Apostle Paul outlines his prayer for these persecuted believers. It was not an out-of-sight, out-of-mind relationship. No, Paul strategically prayed for the Thessalonians. Strategic prayer. Strategic prayer is specific prayer. Strategic prayer is targeted prayer. And may you and I learn to strategically pray for each other. May we pray specific prayers based upon what, what the ones that we're praying for are going through. Targeted prayers for them to do certain things and for God to accomplish specific work in their life. Strategic prayers are based upon knowledge supplied by relationship. I submit to you that the only way that Paul could pray such a strategic prayer for these Thessalonians is because he knew them. Because he had been with them. He spent time with them. It is out of relationship with them that he knew what to pray and how to pray. And church, when we're praying strategically, it has to be out of relationship. Not a static relationship. But one where people are rubbing shoulders. They're doing life together. You began to understand what their needs are. You began to understand what they're walking through. And you began to strategically pray for them. And what I mean by strategic is a targeted prayer, not just a, a blanket prayer, not just, just a, a, a prayer that, that, that makes us satisfy our own conscience that, hey, I'm, I'm praying for them. No, I'm talking about getting specific in their life. And God, you know exactly what brothers, sisters need is. And you begin to list what that need is. Begin to say, Lord, I want you to begin just to work and move in this situation in their life. It's based upon knowledge. It's based upon a journey together. In other words, he knew them. He knew what they were going through. He knew what they needed. Now, in our society today, and with all the technology, in one respect, we are the most connected society than ever before. But on the other hand, we are so disconnected from others because we're lacking real authentic relationships. We have relationships of the selfies and everything that's going on, but it's those, it's those perfect pictures. How many times do you take a selfie before you send it, huh? 
Oh, about 15 times. My wife will take a selfie, I'm telling you, and it's got to be a perfect picture before she sends it. Most of us are that way. We're connected, but in another sense, we're disconnected. And I think what these verses show me and what the Holy Spirit demonstrated to me, that this prayer that Paul was praying for the Thessalonians was a strategic prayer based upon the knowledge he had with them through his experience with them. And when you walk with somebody through something, you know how to pray for them. And church, may we be willing to walk through things together. Now notice what he says. He says, Paul's prayer was that they would be able to live worthy of God's call upon their life. Paul's prayer was that God may count you worthy of his calling. Now, in one sense, no one deserves to be called by God, referring to the call of salvation. No one, none of us merit such grace, but yet he's called us. Yet God extended his love and his call to the Thessalonians to enter into the kingdom of his son through faith. And after accepting this call, the believers are compelled to live in a way that is fitting, that is worthy of such honor. We are to demonstrate God's transforming grace through our lifestyle, through our behavior. We've been called by God. None of us have done anything that has merited us worthy of being called. He called you because he loved you. What's so great about this is he knows everything you've ever done, and he still called you. He still loved you. He still chose you. And he says, you're mine. Unmerited favor. Such favor, such grace causes us to say, Lord, I want to live worthy of that calling. A life that is worthy of such love that forgives me and set me free. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Paul gives this call to the church of Ephesus in verse 1. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. There it is. Live a life worthy of your calling. For you've been called by God. And now he begins to describe some things. Always be humble. Always be gentle. Be patient with each other making allowance for each other's faults because of your what? Love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, bringing yourselves together with peace. Make every effort, other words, to live in harmony and peace. It takes work, church. It doesn't just happen. You gotta make effort. It takes work. Other words, you have to make allowance for each other. You gotta learn to be humble and gentle. You gotta learn to be patient with each other. Not quick-tempered. You gotta learn to be humble. That's walking worthy of our calling. So all of us should seek to live a life worthy of being called by God. None of us deserve to be called. We've not earned this on our own merit. As a matter of fact, our merit says the opposite. But it is because of God's unmerited favor that we've been called by God. 
And may we never lose sight of where God has brought us from. And may we never begin to think that God needs us. May we never begin to think that we deserve all the good things God is doing in us. It is his favor. As we say around here, favor ain't fair. It's his favor. Now, I love this next part. Look at verse 11, the second, the second part. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. I like how the New Living Translation gives a smooth reading of this verse. The power to accomplish good things that faith prompts you to do is a result of the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit in the now regenerated believer. And the phrase, may he give you, is a Greek word meaning to satisfy, as in to fill up. It is to satisfy, conceived as, of, as if filling a container completely. And that word power is the word dunamis. But we know where that comes from. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses. Church, we can accomplish the good deeds that faith prompts us to do as we learn to be filled with the Holy Spirit, as we learn to walk a Spirit-filled life. Hear me, there is a power, there is an anointing abiding and welling up inside us. The Spirit-filled believer to accomplish, to do, to be. May we learn to lean into and to constantly be filled with the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit. In closing, musicians begin to come. I want to take you to Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Paul's writing to the church of Philippi, and he says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Now notice verse 13, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power how is God working in you, giving you the desire? It's the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. It's the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. The desire for you to be in the house of God tonight was the Holy Spirit working in you, prompting you to be in there. The, 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 the desire for you to walk in obedience to God is the Holy Spirit prompting you to, to live out your faith. It's the abiding presence of God. See, the 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 prompting of you to, to not, not, not give revenge and take revenge, but to act in kindness, it's the prompting of the Holy Spirit abiding in you. So, so, so listen, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Not only is he, been, he giving you the desire, but the power, the ability to do. It's important that we like the Thessalonians, we lean into the activity of God. Paul's prayer was, may he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith 
prompts you to do. I remind you this was a persecuted church, yet the Holy Spirit was still prompting them to do good works, to accomplish good things. Even in their hardship, even their affliction, even in their turmoil, even in their pain, the Holy Spirit was still working and prompting their faith, prompting and working in them. It's really the essence of what Jesus said in John 15, I think it's verse five. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Abide in me. Without me, you can do nothing. In church, without the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, the abiding presence of Christ, we can do nothing. But with him, I can do all things. With him, I can make it through that hardship. With him, I can make it through that painful situation. With him, I can make it through and climb that mountain. With him, I can walk through that valley. With him, I can survive that storm. With him, I can be a light shining in the darkness. With him, I can be the salt of the earth. With him, I can be a testimony and tell my story. With him, I can do what God has called me to do and bring honor to his name. So church tonight, can we stand and in closing, can we lift our hands and ask the Lord just to fill us and refresh us and to touch us this evening? Can we ask the Lord, let the power of the Holy Spirit just completely fill our life, completely fill our hearts.